Support for this podcast is provided by New Pioneer Food Co-op, celebrating 50 years as Eastern Iowa's source for locally and responsibly sourced groceries with stores in Iowa City, Coralville, and Cedar Rapids, and online through Co-op Cart at newpi.coop. Gazette's Fact Checker podcast. So usually when we're coming to you with our pod, we have not published it yet for the week and we're we're kind of making final adjustments and getting ready for that grade um, that's going to go on it for our readers. But this week we, we're on a little, little different schedule. We did kind of a daily check of Governor Kim Reynolds' condition of the state address which was Tuesday evening. So um, this published in the paper on Thursday, and now we're here talking with you about it. We have a new member for our our Fact Checker podcast uh, team, or not just our podcast, for the Fact Checker in general. So um, let me just say, I'm Erin Jordan. I'm the Gazette's investigative reporter. I'm Michaela Ram. I'm the Gazette's healthcare reporter. And I'm Elijah Dishes. I'm the Gazette's uh, feature reporter. And our brand new member. Yeah, we're excited to have Elijah. Uh, he has a ton of experience covering news in Northwest Iowa and other areas. So he's, you know, going to spark things up for us. So, yay. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I, I spent a little time in Storm Lake and then a little time in Fort Dodge and um, interviewing Joni Ernst and um, Chuck Grassley and Steve King before um, he was voted out. And so I'm excited to put my experience back to use for fact-checking now. We should note that Marissa is still part of the team. She was just unable to make the podcast today. I'm not replacing Marissa yet. (laughs) Yet. (laughs) Yes, Marissa is still a valued team member. So just to get started here, because we checked 10 claims from this speech, so we need to get rolling here. Um, The speech was 48 minutes long, and as these speeches often are, you know, they're fairly tightly scripted, Um, There's a a time at the beginning where the governor often talks about his or her accomplishments and then um, gets into priorities for the coming year. So one of the the first claim that we kind of did this in chronological order as the speech went on. So in the accomplishments section of the speech was the claim, in the last eight months alone, we invested 300 million more in broadband. So um, we, we reached out to the governor's office after the speech, as we always do, reach out to the source of the claim and asked for sourcing. And um, the governor's office provided information about um, announcements in the last year about the Empower Rural Iowa Broadband Grant Program, which, um, which announced in September just under $100 million in grants for broadband infrastructure. And then on January 4th, the state issued... Uh, notice of intent to award another 210 million, and that money is coming from the American Rescue Plan Act, so federal money that's come to Iowa. Um, so that latest announcement, that money hasn't been paid out yet, but the commitment to invest is there, so we gave her an A. Um, on the second claim that we checked, it's kind of also in that uh, where she said, in the last eight months alone, we have, and one of those was repeal the inheritance tax on families. Uh, Reynolds in June signed Senate File 619, which phases out the inheritance tax or the estate tax. It does it in 20% increments a year until January 1st, 2025. 
So if, um, you know, someone's rich uncle dies in 2025, the person who inherits um, his estate would not pay taxes on that income. Uh, there's still a federal state estate tax, but that doesn't kick in until like you reach like uh, uh, 11 million dollars. So, you know, most of us are not going to have to deal with that. Um, I guess the last claim that I checked um, was, quote, last year, the state ended with a one point two billion dollar surplus on top of one billion in cash receipts. Um, the printed version of Governor Reynolds speech said cash reserves for the one million or the one billion dollar number. And um, we think that when she said receipts, she just misspoke. So we we interpreted that as reserves. Um, Iowa did end fiscal 2021 with a general fund surplus of nearly $1.24 billion, um, the Legislative Services Agency reported. Um, in terms of that $1 billion in cash reserves before that, the Legislative Agency said the state's cash reserve and economic emergency fund for fiscal 2021 was actually $801 million. So that's a lot of money but it's 200 million less than Reynolds said. So we gave her a B on that, looking at those two claims combined. Yeah, and so I have the next claim that is up. Um, and so at one point uh, during her speech, Governor Reynolds was talking about um, the labor market and just the challenge labor market at this point with more jobs available than people actually applying for them. Um, so at one point she makes the claim, four million fewer Americans are working now than they were before the pandemic. Um, so as we always do with these fact checks, we asked the governor's office for sourcing behind these claims, and they pointed to a Yahoo Finance report um, that was published last month on the latest U.S. Labor Department's job openings and labor turnover summary. Um, however, in that report, it states that the civilian labor force was down by 2.4 million participants last month when compared to levels in February 2020, so much less, less than 4 million. Um, I did some more digging, and I found the U.S. Bureau of Labor Stat Statistics did a report in June to 2021 that there were 4.9 million more people unemployed and unable to work than in the fourth quarter of 2020 um, than there were in the at the end of 2019. Um, so not sure why that discrepancy existed. You know, there's kind of a lot when we talk about number of employment people who are quitting and not seeking work, things like that. Um, you know, and experts have said there are a number of factors for reasons people aren't working. Um, so for that grade, just because on its face alone, she cited the wrong stat, I gave her a C. Um, and I'm happy to take on the next one for us to check this claim that Governor Reynolds made. Um, in this claim, Governor Reynolds said, I was in a better position than most with the ninth highest labor participation rate in the country, but we're still down from where we were at the beginning of 2020. Um, so according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Iowa does have the ninth highest labor participation rate in the United States, um, which calculates percentage of uh, populations age 16 and older that are working or actively seeking work. Um, so Iowa was only behind, uh, you know, eight other states. Um, and looking at this report as well, as of December, Iowa's labor participation rate was 66.8%, which is about 5% above the U.S. average. Um, but that is true that that is down compared to the beginning of 2020. Um, at, in January 2020, um, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported Iowa's labor participation rate was 70%. So that is down compared to the 66.8% that I just mentioned. 
Um, so for that grade, we did give her an A. And I also have the next claim. Um, so continuing on this trend of the labor market, uh, Governor Reynolds made the claim, five of the state's ten, top 10 postings are healthcare careers with registered nurses and nursing assistants at the top of the list. So as of January 11th, the day of Governor Reynolds' address, uh, five of the top 10 job postings on the Iowa Workforce Development Job Board were, health, were in the healthcare industry. Um, and it is true, the number one and number two spots went to registered nurses and nursing assistants. Um, the other three spots were followed by licensed practical and licensed vocational nurses, physicians and surgeons, and physician, physical therapists. So again, all in the healthcare market. And I gave that grade an A. I can take the next couple ones about education. You know, education was uh, took up a lot of the time in the address. Um, you know, Governor Reynolds was very, uh, had a lot of praise for teachers, um, administrators, not so much, you know, she was talking about where it came into effect about um, books and libraries, but the claim that she made, she says the importance of a strong public school system is reflected in the state budget where public education accounts for more than 56% of our state funding. Um, and Marissa did find that public education is the largest line item on the state's budget sheet. Um, out of $8.2 in total general fund appropriations, Reynolds' fiscal 2023 budget proposal, which will start July 1st and end June 30th, 2023, includes $4.6 in spending on education, uh, which includes the Department of Education for K-12 schools and the Iowa Board of Regents for the state public universities. Um, so that's 55.8% of the state's spending, which rounds up to 56%, and that matches um, the claim by Governor Reynolds. The second claim we checked on education, it says for K-12, through that's over $3.7 billion, and it's increased nearly $1 billion in the last decade. So looking again at Reynolds' fiscal 2023 budget proposal, it calls for $3.68 billion in pre-K through 12 education spending, and that's up about a billion since fiscal 2012, when the state spent around $2.6 billion. Um, and, and we gave her an A on that. Just I will note, though, that is a budget proposal. It does not indicate necessarily that that's how much is going to be spent because it has to go through the legislative process this session. And the next one is uh, one that I checked. Uh, Governor Reynolds said, when the U.S. News & World Report ranked Iowa the number one state for opportunity last year, it wasn't because we wanted it, it was because we earned it. Now, I can't check whether Iowa wanted it or earned it, but I can check whether we were number one on the list. Um, and when she was referring to opportunity, she was actually um, specifically referring to the U.S. Uh, News & World Report's opportunity rankings, capital O, capital R, um, not opportunity in general. Um, we were number one ranked on their opportunity rankings list. Um, however, it needs a little bit more context there. Um, so the opportunity rankings take three categories into account. Um, it takes affordability, economic opportunity, and equality. Um, Iowa ranked fourth in affordability, 12th in economic opportunity, and 27th in equality. Um, there are about 71 other metrics that the US News and World Report um, uses for state rankings as well. In some of the ones I highlighted there, Iowa ranked 27th in economy, um, 19th in infrastructure, and 23rd in fiscal stability 
And I chose those metrics since they seemed particularly relevant to um, the general themes of her, her speech focusing on economic strengths and um, moving forward in Iowa. Um, I also claim I also checked her um, claim on renewable energy. Governor Reynolds said Iowa is a leader in renewable energy. In fact, we lead the nation in the production of both ethanol and biodiesel and the crops that make them. Um, and she was, well, I guess I better go back and give you a grade for the last one. <laughs> the U.S., the one on the opportunity claim, uh, that was an A. She was pretty spot on there. Um, back to the renewable energy one. We are, in fact, a leader in um, ethanol and biodiesel production. Um, the governor's team cited the U.S., the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association um, for her claim, but I was also able to confirm that independently with the U.S. Energy Information Administration. Um, something I thought was curious was that she did not uh, mention our leadership status in wind energy. Iowa is also continuing to be a leader in wind energy. Um, wind power provided 57% of um, Iowa's in-state electricity generation, um, and that's according to the 2021 land-based wind market report from the U.S. Department of Energy. Boy, that's a mouthful. Um, and we are quite far ahead um, in that metric, afar, uh, ahead of um, other states, Kansas, Oklahoma, South Dakota, North Dakota, who are all producing in about the 30% range or so. Um, so I gave that claim an A. You know, I'll just add in on that, Elijah. Um, you know, the governors, Iowa governors used to brag about that wind energy metric. I'm just looking at an article um, from 2016 in the Des Moines Register where, you know, former Governor Terry Branstead is bragging about that wind energy. And, and the headline says, Branstead says he's trying to win over Trump on wind. So it used to be a thing that like the state touted. And I, you know, it, I guess now maybe wind is, is, is too closely tied to Democrats. I don't know. Well, she certainly was taking shots at President Biden just before the statement, too, in terms of his plan to uh, replace the federal fleet with electric cars. And I think she had sort of used this opportunity to say, you know, the president is making decisions that are not good for Iowa's economy, um, very much along the Republican line, I think. So it is interesting that she sort of took that opportunity rather than to brag about how we're a leader in wind energy. Yeah. Yeah. There is definitely more of a focus on ethanol and biodiesel um, as opposed to what some some Democrats and, and progressives might refer to as clean energy or green energy, which would be wind, solar, that kind of thing. And I thought that was interesting. I remember when I when I moved to Iowa um, about 10 years ago and I got my license here, the license um, used to have little windmills on them. And I don't think they have those anymore. Oh, interesting. That makes me want to get my license now and look wow. at it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. You know, I mean, it seems like, um, uh, you know, you wouldn't want to politicize this um, energy source that, that a lot of um, entities in the state have invested in. You know, we have all these windmills on our horizon. And if they suddenly become like, if you talk about them, it's democratic. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's a, a good uh, strategy. But let me just say, too, um, with this fact check, you know, we 
took a little bit of heat on Twitter, which we don't mind. We can handle it um, from people saying, well, they, there's so many things they didn't check. You know, what, you know, what about this? What about that? So, you know, I just wanted to kind of refresh uh, people's minds or if they haven't listened before about what our criteria is. The fact checker team checks statements made by an Iowa political candidate or office holder or a national candidate office slash office holder, a, a, a comment they make about Iowa or in ads that appear in our market. So obviously, Governor Reynolds, you know, no problem there. Um, claims must be independently verifiable. So that's where a lot of claims get ruled out, because if they're an opinion um, or there may be an opinion disguised as a fact, maybe Elijah, you can tell us the example you found there, but we just, it doesn't meet our criteria and we do not check them. Yeah, the the one that um, I thought was interesting, but that we couldn't check um, was when she was talking about a carpenter and she was, um, you know, saying he's having trouble finding help. And um, it's been like this for a couple years. Um, it, it seemed vaguely related to um, claims about um, stimulus checks and unemployment boosts um, during the pandemic, uh, discouraging people from working. But since she didn't specifically say, you know, it's because of X, Y, and Z, it, it makes it really difficult for us to check in a clean way. Yeah, agree. I remember talking with you guys too about a claim that she made. I think it was something like um, the government has made it easier for people to not work. Um, you know, she stated it as a fact, right? And I think that that has certainly become a talking point in, uh, especially on the GOP side. But you know, even though it's kind of stated as a fact, it, it feels subjective, right? Like, how can you really even dig into all the nuances behind that? Um, even though it it may not be. There, there's a lot of context behind that. So I think that one was essentially ruled out because, you know, we have limited capacity too. And there's there's only so many claims that we can check in 40 inches, right? Right. Well, and how do you get at the motivations of people? You know, why right. are, are they not going back to work? You know, is it because they're getting these, you know, benefits or is it because they're really scared of getting COVID or, you know, some combination? So, right. And has heightened um, or the kind of elevated unemployment checks really been a motivator for people to stay home? You know, we don't know. We can't ask everybody who's received one. I think, um, you know, in general condition of the state addresses, we've been checking them for maybe five or so years. They often come out with a large share of A's on the claims because of the limitations of what we can check and because they are very tightly scripted. And, um, you know, I think the governor's staff knows that there's going to be a high level of scrutiny, including fact checking afterward. They had sourcing available for us within, you know, probably an hour or two after the address, which was, you know, great for our deadline. But they they kind of know that this is coming. So it's not a, really a case where you're, you'll see a, a governor really kind of going off the rails in terms of accuracy and that kind of thing. So that's kind of what we found in the past. Did anyone else want to make any comments about claims that you didn't check, but that you wanted to like just talk about? Yeah, um, the claim, I, I'm forgetting the exact language she used, but um, going with some of the things we've seen brought up in the legislature, um, the claims about certain books um, qualifying as pornography if they were um, movies, that um, that stood out to me. I She didn't mention any specific titles. I would love to check the titles and um, verify those claims if 
There's a specific book she's talking about, though. Yeah, that certainly earned the loudest cheers of the night, too. Yeah. And what was interesting to me was that she didn't um, have any legislative proposals or any any solution proposals attached to that. She um, just kind of said, we hear you, parents, um, after that. And Yeah, she sort of pointed to that for her. Uh, Then she made um, some proposals around school choice then. So she sort of used that as an example as why we need to have school choice and why we need to help parents finance that school choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's been such a hot topic, though, among other Republicans in the state. You know, her staff probably felt like she had to address it or speak to it even briefly. Well, you know, I will, I think next week we're going to try to get back to our our regular schedule, kind of our regular format. Um, We had talked about a couple of claims um, that before the condition of the state address that we might work into. I don't know if we, Michaela, did we decide that we had one that we think could be viable for next week? Um, I know we had talked a couple weeks ago about a claim made by um, Representative Axney. I don't know if we are still on board with that, because I know that um, I think she posted that on Twitter on December 31st. So I don't know if enough time has passed or if we're still interested in maybe digging into that one. I think it's still viable. That's the one that um, she kind of talks about, again, kind of a 2021 recap or victory lap or whatever the candidates would describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she throws out a lot of numbers in this claim about um, 2021 in the third district. Um, you know, she says things like Axne backed 11 bills that were signed into law. Um, you know, there was $5 billion investment in Iowa's infrastructure. Um, $900,000 taxpayer dollars were claimed for Iowa. And so a lot of numbers in here, which um, we love with the fact checker, right? Those are easy to verify and easy to suss out if they're they're good. Um so yeah, I mean, I'm available to to take a look at this if we want to do that. Okay, that sounds great. And the rest of us will just keep scouting. And just to our Fact Checker podcast listeners, if you come across something either in print media or online or that you hear on a ad or somewhere else that you think needs checking, uh, let us know. You can email us at factchecker at thegazette.com. And we will take a look and see if it meets our criteria. And if it does, we'll jump on it. So unless we have anything else from the team, I I think we're ready to sign off. You guys have anything else? Just excited to have you on board, Elijah. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So the Fact Checker uh, podcast, uh, this week it's produced by Katie Brumbelow and our Print pieces are edited by Craig Jamulis. The music on the podcast is Lobby Time by Kevin McLeod. I'm Erin Jordan. I'm Michaela Ram. I'm Elijah Dishas. And until next week, we'll fact check you later. If you like this podcast, you might also want to subscribe to the Gazette Daily News podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts or on your Amazon Alexa-enabled device. Just tell Alexa to enable the Gazette Daily News skill. Then you can get your daily briefing by simply asking, what's the news?